Let's just go into it. Man, Christian, thank you. Can we say thank you to Christian one more time? You know, I just met Christian like 30 minutes ago. Uh, I love him. I love him, man. Uh, I got to see him lead worship um, at the convention, and I was like, man, we need to have this guy here when Jesus is not here. So we miss Jesus, but I'm glad Christian is here. Um, so familia, man, good morning, buenos dias. And uh, go ahead and turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. And, and as you turn there, I just want to share some history with you. Um, this Sunday and next Sunday, we're going to be celebrating just the anniversary of First Baptist Church Owasso and Calvary Baptist Church, and then the birth of the Mission Church. And so uh, there's going to be a special service uh, today in Owasso, and then uh, this upcoming Sunday will be a special service here in Tulsa, and I'll talk more about that here in just a little bit. Um, but I just want to give you some history and just kind of let you know what God has done in this place. So in 1947... Okay, 1947, that's about 75 years ago, God led a group of people to plant a church in Owasso called First Baptist Church Owasso. And then in 1945, okay, check this picture out. In 1945, God led a group of people to plant a church in Tulsa called Calvary Baptist Church. And this was their very first building. And I was going to show you the picture like this, but obviously you can't see that. And so Marsha helped me take some pictures so you could see it on the screen. Uh, but it's so amazing because both of these churches have a rich history and they have this, this rich history of God moving, of God's faithfulness, of God's grace, and also a restored people living the mission life, a restored people living out the Great Commission, which is sharing the good news of Jesus and teaching others to do the same. And so I also want to show you just some other pictures of this place in like 1940s, 1950s. So this is kind of like one side of the building that used to be over here. In this next picture, uh, we still have the same building with now uh, the Calvary Baptist Church sign. Uh, thank you, we're flipping back and forth. All right, there you go, that's fine. Calvary Baptist Church sign, which is just super cool because this is all in like the 1940s, 1950s. And then we have this next picture where they, uh, they kind of lined up and they said, hey, what's up? So I don't know these people's names. If you do, let me know if you've been here that long. Um, but this is amazing just to see that real people were in this place doing real ministry, real gospel work. And so this next picture I want to show you is the, the old building and the new building side by side. Okay, so you have the old building over here and the new building, which was just like this, the place that you are in. Uh, so it's just really cool to see all of that. And then here's this next picture, which is just a front-facing one, which is just really cool. I don't know who built that, but they did a pretty good job. And then this next picture kind of cracks me up because I have no idea who this is. I just thought the cars are cool. I was like, I was like can you imagine like seeing these? And so, and so again, I actually have all those pictures right here um, so if you want to look at them after the service, I'm going to leave them right here. And what you have to do, I don't know if you've ever seen these before. I encountered these a week ago, and I said, wow, it's my first time seeing it. But if you put up to the light, it works perfectly, okay? I learn something new every single day. I know, it's fine, it's fine. But as we look at these pictures, there is no doubt, right? You look at them, you're like, wow, times have changed, there's no doubt that the community has changed. There's no doubt that we live in different days than the 1940s and the 1950s, and we drive different cars, though those cars are pretty cool. There's no doubt about that, but here's what's really cool. 
is that though we live in different days, the message is the same. Though we live in different days, the message is the same. And in the gospel, the gospel is not picky. Like, like the gospel didn't just like stop in 1940s and 1950s. The gospel is not picky because the gospel does not know boundaries. It doesn't know borders or walls. It doesn't have a linguistic limit. And I say hallelujah to this. There is no like wealth meter when it comes to the gospel. Like not even suffering and persecution can stop the gospel advancing. If anything, we see that persecution and suffering is just an amazing, amazing soil for the gospel to be planted and rooted and to grow. And so we see this and we see that in every generation, in every single one, God has been the one who would always be and will forever be the hope for the world, the historic hope for the world for every single generation. And that's why in 2017, so right, we've kind of skipped a little bit, and in 2017, what we saw, well, we saw these two churches come together. In 2017, if you can do the math, it was about five years ago. And so you have these stories of First Baptist Church Owasso and Calvary Baptist Church. Their stories kind of come together. And the picture that you're seeing right now is when the merger happened, when the signing happened. And my man, Bob Hume over here, he's in that picture. So what's up, man? Um, he's in the picture. And what we see is this marriage. Some people call it the marriage. And what's amazing about this picture is that it's, it's kind of this mile marker. It's not exactly in one of these, but it's kind of a mile marker for us where two churches committed together of saying, we are not going to let a gospel presence die in Tulsa. Because what had happened is that Calvary Baptist Church had an amazing, rich history, a flourishing history, but then it was on the verge of death. And it reached out to First Baptist Owasso and said, hey, Let's, let's join these two historic churches together. And man, we're, we're gonna have to lay aside a little bit of our comfort. We're gonna have to lay aside a little bit of our preferences and unite under the one thing, and that's the historic hope that Jesus Christ is Lord and that more people need to know who he is. And so this picture, I think, symbolizes for us just how amazing it is that when people work together for the gospel, for the sake of the gospel, amazing things can happen. Because the story doesn't end in 2017, we are in 2022. And so if we skip over to 2022, we see that our church is united once again together. Saying we're going to unite together and we're going to vote together to do something again to be able to, to advance this gospel presence. So in 2022, we became the Mission Church. Where we decided together to say, hey, we as this location are the Mission Church, La Misión Iglesia. And what's so amazing is that this name allows us to say something to our community that's super, super clear. That we will be unashamed of communicating the greatest message in the world about the greatest king in the world in a way that those who speak English and Spanish can understand. That we exist to love all people to Christ and equip them for the mission, the Great Commission. We understand that Jesus has restored us we have been restored for the mission, and this is what's happened in 2022. And so you're going to be hearing this, this this Sunday, but also next Sunday, because we are celebrating these anniversaries, and we are celebrating the birth of the Mission Church. And so I want you to go ahead and just kind of write it down or put on your calendar that next Sunday, we're going to have one service at 11, okay, so no small groups. And for those of you who know Charlie Westbrook, 
Charlie Westbrook will be here. He was a pastor here 30 years ago um, when it was Calvary Baptist Church. And so he'll be coming back. And also, we're going to have all types of musicians like Joe McKean, Jesus will be back, and then Paul Purefoy with, I think, a choir of some sorts. And so that'll be super cool uh, to just celebrate the rich history of understanding that, man, all of this stuff happened in the past, but also understanding that we live in different days and that we can look forward to the future. And what I hope that we get out of today and even next Sunday, what I hope we get out of is that we really stand on the shoulders of historic churches. Now get this, historic churches filled with imperfect people, but who had a perfect God. And as these imperfect people with a perfect God Man, they understood that grace abounds. They understood that they had a historic hope. Man, this historic hope that they had the privilege to experience. And that's really gonna be the focus of the message today. And, and uh, I just want you to like, really take that in, that we have a historic hope that we can experience, that we have the privilege of experiencing. So we're gonna be celebrating that. If you have your Bibles, and if you're at 1 Peter with me, 1 Peter chapter 1, well, let's go ahead and stand up together, and we're going to start reading in verse 10 and go all the way to verse 12. So starting in verse 10, it says this, concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that has come to you searched intently and with the greatest care trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. When they spoke of these things, they have now been told to you by those who have, been, who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, even angels long to look into these things. This is the word of the Lord. And praise be to God. Amen. We're kind of starting in the middle of, of a sentence and a paragraph here, but what I want you to get at, like if someone asks you, hey, what did you learn at church today? Right, you're eating lunch and someone asks you that question. Here's what I want you to say. Different day, same message. Different day, same message. That's actually the main idea, the main point for us this morning is that though we live in a different day, though we don't live in 1940s and 1950s, it's the same message. We can experience the same grace. We can experience the same salvation. Though we don't live in Peter's time and we didn't get to maybe walk with Jesus or hear Peter, hear Peter or even get this letter for the first time from Peter, though it's a different day, same message. We get to experience the same grace, the same salvation power. And I, and I just wanna make sure that we understand that the ability for us to experience this salvation from God is amazing. It's amazing to say, wow, Lord, thank you. And which actually leads us to our first point, right? So we're gonna dissect this passage just a little bit together. And so the first point comes from verses 10 to 11, and it's this, is that our historic hope is profound. Our historic hope is profound. We see this historic hope, and we see that it has been in history for so many generations, so many generations, and we see even with the prophets here, but this historic hope is profound, it is rich, it's so alive. Like, for generations, people have been studying the Bible, and each generation, it seems like we learn something new. We can never exhaust the Bible, and, and what Peter is saying here 
is that there has been prophets who have just so carefully in the Old Testament tried to find uh, the time and the circumstance that Jesus would come. And what we see here is that this salvation that Peter starts with, he says concerning salvation, it's, it's not a salvation that Peter made up. In, in the prophets, they, they didn't make this stuff up. And here's the reason why I say they didn't make this stuff up. Because if, if we were the ones who try to make up salvation, we would probably put ourselves as the saviors. This salvation that, that we have in Jesus is not man-made because I promise you, if, if you were to write your own story, you would probably make yourself the hero of it. But you're not the hero. God is the hero. Jesus is the hero. And Jesus has, has always been plan A. He was never, never plan B in our life. And we see that the Spirit of God, meaning the Holy Spirit, and here Peter says the Spirit of Christ, revealed this to the prophets. Again, it wasn't man-made, but it was revealed by God to humanity, meaning there is no human that made this up. And so God revealed that the Messiah was going to come. They revealed that there's going to be this Savior that would come. They revealed that there's going to be this sacrificial lamb for the sins of the whole world. And I just want to pause here and just say it one more time. This is God revealed, not man-made. And here's why I say that. Because so many times we can maybe fall into man-made good news. Or there are times that we hear people put words into God's mouth. And so let me give you a for instance here. And this is actually a picture that I got uh, from one of my friends from an Instagram post. And I want you to look at this. I want you to look at this picture from the Instagram post. So the Instagram post says, God says, you weren't rejected. I hid your value from them because they were not assigned to your destiny. So you read that, and I hope you're just as confused as I am. Because there were 20,000 people that read this, agreed with this, and liked it, and said, yeah, exactly. But my friends, familia, this is a man-made good news, because they are quoting God, and I promise you, you won't find that in the Bible. Like, you will not find that quote anywhere in God's word. And then to say that God hid somebody's value from somebody is not biblical either. And to say that somebody is assigned to somebody's destiny is not biblical. And really, that's just kind of a stretch. But you see, this is a man-made good news to try to make you feel good. Again, 20,000 people on social media were like, yes. But we have to be careful. We have to be aware of the difference between man-made news and and, and good news, and then God revealed good news. You see, this would actually be biblical if it said something along the lines of like, you know, God has created you with value, and this person just didn't see it. See, at that point, then we can go somewhere biblical. At that point, we can be like, oh, okay, you know, here's some scripture to back that up. But please do not quote God when really you're not getting anything from the Bible. And we have to be aware of this together. And, and you see, I share this with you because this is not like a 2022 problem. This is a historic problem where people have tried to put words in God's mouth. Or, yeah, yeah, words in God's mouth. This is not a problem that just started this year, but this is a historic problem that needs a historic hope, that needs historic truth. Because, again, different day, same message. 
And so as we look at the Old Testament, as we look at these prophets who, and these people that God revealed himself to, man, there's, there's several people that we could look at that God revealed himself to. And he said, this is what's happening. And check this out. They believed it, though they didn't completely understand it. They believed it, though they didn't completely understand it. Let's look at some people and, and some prophets. Uh, we have Abraham, where God revealed to Abraham that the nations would be blessed through his lineage. We see this in Genesis 12. And Abraham believed him, even though he didn't completely understand what that meant. God revealed himself to David. God told David, man, through your offspring, there's going to be an eternal kingdom. Well, David believed him, though he didn't completely understand him. Then you have Isaiah. God revealed himself to Isaiah, and he said, man, there's going to be this suffering Messiah that will be enough to bring the end of all sin. Again, Isaiah probably didn't completely understand what that meant, but he totally believed it. And then you have Daniel. This is the last one. God revealed himself to Daniel and, say, and said, there will be a Messiah that will have a throne that is everlasting. Daniel had this vision from God. And again, Daniel probably didn't understand everything, but he believed him. So I don't know if you've ever been there in your life where you're seeing, you're seeking the Lord and you're reading his word and you're saying, man, God, you have revealed yourself in scripture. I don't completely understand everything, but man, I believe you. I so believe you and I have my faith in you. And these prophets, the more they dug deep into the Messiah, the more they dug deep into what God had revealed, they came to one conclusion that yes, the Messiah was going to arrive, but that the Messiah was first going to suffer and then he'd be glorified. So look here at verse 11. Kind of there at the end, it says that the spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and then the glories that would follow. So they came down to the conclusion that Jesus would first suffer and then be glorified. The reason I say that is because I just want to make it super personal for us and also want us to point to maybe even what's happening in Ukraine and saying that when suffering happens, that doesn't mean that God has abandoned you. When suffering happens, it doesn't mean that God has turned his back to you. When suffering hits you or your family or somewhere, it doesn't mean that God is not concerned. That doesn't mean that at all. When suffering happens, number one, we live in a sinful world where there's suffering. Number two, suffering can be a consequence of our actions, but it doesn't mean that God has walked away. If you think about suffering, especially suffering for Christ, suffering for the gospel, because of what Jesus did, because he came to us to suffer, when we are suffering, it's almost like a way that we can identify with Jesus. It's almost saying, man, Jesus came to suffer for me first and as I suffer, that's, that's a way that I can just identify with my Lord, with my Messiah, with my Savior. Because just like we saw last week, our time on earth is like this long compared to eternity. And it says that we will suffer for a little bit. And just like Jesus, when we are in Christ, man, glory follows. Glory follows the suffering. And so there's just so many things to look here and so many things that the prophets try to search and there's so many things that we can search that God has revealed because our historic hope is so profound. 
It really is. And so we've seen that our historic hope is profound. And the second thing I want to show you is that our historic hope is preached. Our historic hope is preached. I want to read this one more time. That says in verse 12, It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. When they spoke of these things that they have now been told to you by those who have preached the gospel to you, by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, even angels long to look into these things. Our historic hope is preached, meaning our historic hope is proclaimed. Our historic hope can be, can be looked at and searched in such a way and experienced in such a way that it can be shared. And this is something that's so important for us because it is a blessing that the gospel, that this hope can be preached. It's a blessing that we get to experience it in such a way because the prophets longed to experience what we have experienced in Jesus. The prophets longed to be able to say, man, the Savior has come, the Messiah was here, and I can believe in him and I can experience him. The gospel is something that we are able to hold on to and to grasp and experience And I want you to hear the words of Jesus to the apostles. In Matthew chapter 13, verses 16 to 17, Jesus is telling them to this, is telling them this. Blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men longed to see what you see, but do not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. We have this privilege that the prophets didn't have. We have this privilege that they longed for. And then it even goes about saying that even the the angels long to look into these things. So many times we are kind of jealous of the angels. But in a way it's like the angels are jealous of us because we, we get to experience this redemptive power of Christ. We are the ones who get to experience the gospel in this beautiful way where we now can be children of God. There's something that the angels are, are just longing for. Like, man, I wish we could look into these things like humanity. And so I just wanted to quickly go through this little passage with you to just show you that our hope is on a firm foundation. Our hope is not man-made. It's historic and God-revealed. And so though I've made a couple things uh, personal, though I've kind of said, hey, this is what culture tries to do, but this is what the truth is, I do want to give you a quick application of saying, okay, how can I actually apply this? How can we actually move forward together? Well, here it is. We need to cherish the past and embrace the future. We need to cherish the past and embrace the future. And as we look at Peter here, it's really funny. Peter didn't live in the past. Peter didn't live and say, man, I wish I lived back where the Old Testament prophets were at or back where the Old Testament people were at. uh, Peter, he says he cherishes it though. He cherishes the past. He cherishes what the prophets did in searching. He cherishes all the people that came before him and and were faithful to the Lord. But Peter looks in front of him and he embraces the future and says, well, there's people in my context right now that need the gospel. There's people in my context right now that need this historic hope that has been revealed to us. And then I just wanna make it a little bit more personal. As believers, we get to also cherish the past. We get to cherish the past of the scripture. We get to cherish Peter's day. And we don't say, man, I wish I was in Peter's day, but we cherish it. And we're like, man, I'm so thankful for all the people who are faithful to the Lord in Peter's day. I'm so thankful that now we get to 
experience and, and, and have this gospel in front of us where we get to now embrace the future. We now get to embrace the context that we're in and share this and, and know that though we're in different days, the message is the same. The message is the same for all of us and the message is the same that the prophet spoke about, that Moses talk, talked about, that this Peter talked about. And then I'm gonna make it even go a little bit, a little bit more personal for me. For me as Misael, when I look at the past, I don't go and say, man, I wish I was back in 2005. I wish I was back in 2005 when I was a baby Christian. I don't wanna live in 2005 anymore, but I wanna cherish 2005 because that was the moment where I recognized that I was a sinner needing a savior. And now I get to embrace the future and say, well, time doesn't stop. <laughs> Time's gonna continue. So I need to embrace the future and I need to know that and embrace that God is worthy of my obedience to move forward. God is worthy of my obedience to say, Lord, I wanna grow spiritually. I wanna grow in this holistic health in you because I cherish the past of what happened in 2005, but I, I embrace the future. And then as a church, I think we can do the same. We can cherish the past. We can cherish the 1940s. We can cherish the First Baptist Church of Wausau in 1947 and the Calvary Baptist Church in 1945. We can cherish it, but man, if we're saying, man, I wanna live back in those days, I think we're missing something. And so we wanna cherish the past and embrace the future of saying, man, different day, same message. Different day, different context. And now we get to embrace being the mission church and La Mission Iglesia. We get to embrace saying, man, let's share the gospel with people who really need it that are right in front of our faces. And so I just want you to think about that. I want you to think about maybe the people that spoke the gospel to you in your life. Think about all the people that maybe shared the gospel with you before you recognized that you were a sinner in need of a savior. Think about that person that shared the gospel with you in that moment, you're like, wow, I'm seeing it so clearly now. Think about the people that maybe discipled you afterwards. Because as we think about them, I think we can cherish the past and we can cherish what they did in our lives. I think that we have the opportunity to do one really simple thing, and that's to say thank you. You see, I'm so grateful for my grandpa because my grandpa is the one who was sharing the gospel with me when I came to recognize my sin and that I needed Jesus. And I said, I don't remember the last time I just called my grandpa and said, hey, thank you. Like, thank you for sharing the message that changed my life forever. And so I wanna encourage you as kind of the mission challenge to call the person or to call the people that shared the gospel with you, to call them and say, hey, thank you. Thank you for doing that. And then maybe you're in here and you know people, maybe, maybe not that we're in 1947, but maybe that we're here in 1960s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2017. And maybe you know them and maybe it's time for us to say, hey, thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your strength. Thank you for your commitment to the Lord. Thank you so much. And the reason I say this is because I want to redeem an old saying, I think it's a Chinese saying. But I want to redeem an old saying that says, 
the best time to plant a tree was when? 20 years ago. The second best time to plant a tree is right now. And I want to redeem that. And I want to say the best time to share the gospel was 20 years ago. And the second best time is to share the gospel now. The best time to make a disciple was 20 years ago. The second best time to make a disciple is right now. And so I wanna leave you with this question about our historic hope. As we think about this little analogy, who's gonna call us 20 years from now? Who's gonna pick up the phone 20 years from now and say, hey, thank you. Thank you for sharing the gospel with me. Hey, thank you for discipling me. I, I really appreciate that. Who's gonna say thank you to us? So I wanna end our time by praying. And I wanna pray for you and with you as we continue to celebrate and just look at our historic hope. Lord Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you so much that this salvation is not man-made that it is God revealed to humanity. Thank you so much, Lord, that you have put people in our lives, people in our lives who spoke truth to us, people in our lives who told us the truth about who you are and what you've done. Lord, it's amazing to see how you have worked in this area and that we stand on the shoulders of historic churches filled with imperfect people. Lord, help us to be the people who 20 years from now, 40 years from now, 60 years from now, 75, 77 years from now, will say, man, I don't know their names, but I am so grateful for their faithfulness and I cherish what they did in the past as they embrace their future. Lord, I pray that as we walk in into just different changes and, and different moments as a church, Lord, I pray that we would do it unified. Lord, I pray that as we celebrate together the anniversaries and, and also the birth of the Mission Church, I pray that we would walk together unified in you. God, we love you, and you are great, and you are mighty, and thank you for not abandoning us in our suffering. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.